Welcome to the SPS Digital Learning Hour. Brought to you by the Digital Learning and Assessment Department. We're coming to you from a conference room in Central Office, bringing you the latest news in the Springfield Public Schools in regards to technology, along with inspiring interviews from teachers who are using technology in the classroom. We'll also inform you of the latest updates, practices, and news as it pertains to our district. Whether you are new to using technology in the classroom or are a seasoned vet, we are here to help. Thanks for joining us today. I am your host, Mike Thomas. In case you missed it, the latest blog post is out and it's all about embedding websites on Brightspace. Now you might be familiar with embedding videos, but did you know if you got the HTML code of that website, put it into an iframe, you can actually embed the website directly into Brightspace or any learning management system for that matter. So go ahead, check it out, check the blog post out. There's also a video on there on how to do it, so you have some step-by-step ways to do that. In case you missed it, we've updated Microsoft Stream and added a couple new TED Talks, all about inspiring children to read, creating interactive content with H5P. There was even a WGBY spotlight on one of our teachers, Cheryl Elias. I encourage you to go check them all out, along with everything else that we've put out there. And again, that's at Microsoft Stream. You can find these on all the channels out there. In case you missed it, you may have noticed a few changes to Padlet recently. Padlet has just introduced a paid price for Padlets. If you've never used Padlet before, you get three free Padlets before you have to start paying $8.95 a month. If you currently use Padlet, you get 33 free Padlets. But after that, you have to pay $8.95 a month. That would be the, the next step up after the basic plan. So this might cause some problems, especially if you are a heavy Padlet user. So in the coming weeks, we will have a few different sites out there that do the same thing or something similar to Padlet. Keep an eye out. If you do know of a program that is very similar to Padlet that is free, go ahead and um, message us at Yammer and under our SPS Digital Learning Hour site. Or you can email us directly at DLA support at springfieldpublicschools.com and we can get that information out to the entire district so that everybody can still be able to use a Padlet-like program. That's it for In Case You Missed It. Coming up next, Hot Take. So for this week's hot take, we're actually gonna wrap up our gamification conversation that we started a couple weeks ago. What you're gonna hear is the ending of this conversation. If you missed the first two parts, please go back out to Spreaker.com or wherever you listen to the podcast, find the last two episodes, and you can also listen to them so that you can hear the full conversation in context. spent a lot of time talking about gamification and how it's applied in the classroom and how it works. Let's talk about some game-based learning things because 
quite frankly, I love playing games. I try to do it as much as possible, and I think we all, deep down, do truly enjoy playing board games. With game-based learning, it's all, like we were mentioning before, it's all like adding to the learning that's going on in the classroom. So how, what are some ways that you guys think that teachers can really use games to help improve the learning in the classroom? I um, think that's a good point. I was reading an article regarding examples of the integration of tech into the classroom. And a teacher was talking about how they would actually challenge their students, their class, to complete steps of game-based learning. So whether it be something as simple as logging into Brightspace and navigating your way to an objective, the teacher would set up goals and award points based off of how students were able to actually complete the instruction. So not only using gamification or game-based learning for classroom management, but also providing a rewarding for the students to just follow the instructions, which I, I found pretty interesting. I like that. What I like about your example, Brendan, is the fact that the students are working together to get that done. Absolutely. And the teacher actually mentioned that they took this and scaled it out to actually have classroom versus classroom competitions. So the students would work in groups to complete an objective, to follow the instructions. And if they beat the teacher to the objective or if the teacher was incorrect, the teacher would award the students or the class a point. Or if the students were correct and they were able to do, they would be rewarded a point. I love it. The teacher would be awarded a point. I actually remember doing that in my student teaching, not digitally, but we would do at the school I was student taught at, we would do mad minutes. So it'd be like a hundred multiplication problems and you try to do as try to do it as fast as you can. And if you could beat the teacher, then you got a reward out of it. So one, it made me have to be on my game, but in some ways that gamified multiplication for those students where Later on in the year, you could just ask questions or they could be doing calculations in their head because they have that base knowledge of, hey, three times two is six, six times three is 18. Like they could just build. Yeah, I had to think there for a moment as I was rambling on, but they had to build it up because and it all started because of doing the game. There was another uh, part of an article that talked about the difference or the the point of view from teaching and learning. So teachers using game-based learning uh, like the fact that you can explore literary themes and storytelling skills, Um, but from the learning perspective, uh, they could assess and build non-cognitive competencies of students. So in other words, students' ability to self-regulate, to resolve conflicts, and expressing their emotions. So I think all of that is so important. We've talked in the past, Mike, about uh, the importance for kids to have playtime, whether it's at recess or otherwise. But um, all of those skills are necessary to ultimately succeed. So when it comes to games in the classroom, we can think back to when we were students and some of our favorites. Brendan mentions Carmen Sandiego, and I was mentioning Oregon Trail. And so when it comes to gamification, Um, One of the articles talked about a few ways that you could do it, integrate it into your classroom and things that we can do right now. Um, One is changing how grades are done. Not like your point system, but instead of saying you got an 85 out of 100, you could be like, you gained 35 experience points. Or if it was like a 35 to 40 point thing, hopefully it's not 35 out of 100, but... 
instead of like giving them necessarily the fraction part of their grade or the percentage part, it could be like you earned 85 experience points this week and you can have it set so that there's certain goals that they have to meet so that as they're learning and gaining knowledge, they're getting points along the way, which helps with your grading. That's just one idea. I love the idea. It goes along with, with the whole project-based learning. Um, the challenge with that, obviously, is to have a, a standard uh, assessment that would be mm -hmm. equal across the board. But I love the idea. And I think even if it's not ultimately something that goes onto a report card, it's a great way to help students think differently about their learning. That it's not just about that final grade. It's, oh, how many experience points did I get? How many collaboration points did I get? How many presentation points did I get? And it makes them think differently. I like that. Mm -hmm. It's something they can build upon. Another way to do that is one way that Brightspace has, which is a great tool, which is the awards tool. And setting up different awards. Um, in doing research about the awards tool and how to implement it, a few of the things that I've learned, and you can tell me if it's good ideas or not, but one is to not have it every five assignments, like you get a reward, like not to have it so predictable. Um, so have a little bit of unpredictability in there. And sometimes it's good to have like random awards, like given out. So like if you complete some assignments, hey, you get the assignment bonus award or something. Yep, I'm all on board with that. I think that's the, the best way to go about it because otherwise you, you may have students in the class that are always getting those awards first. And then those who aren't quite up to the same speed are going to just feel awful that they haven't reached that level yet. Whereas if it's sporadic and um, the teacher can very specifically give out awards to certain students, then every student in that class will at some point get an award, which leads to a much more positive learning environment. Another example uh, of ways that you can gamify is... Um, they talk about, in one of these articles, introducing video games into the curriculum, which immediately when I read that, I'm like, no, 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 no. But then I started thinking about it more. I'm like, well, there's the schools that use Prodigy. Um, iReady has a component to it that works in that same way where they're earning points and gaining knowledge. And it's a game. There's games in iReady to use. There's games in Prodigy. There's games in... What's that other one that people use? Dreambox? Yeah, Dreambox. They all seem to be math-based, actually, the more I think about what I'm saying. Except for iReady. iReady's got well, some. Uh, okay, go with the videos. What, what made me change my mind about that, because I initially had the same response of, no, you don't want video games. But then uh, one of the authors here um, related it to art and music in entertainment and how... I'm sure my parents would never have imagined that certain entertainment videos could be used in education, but now they are. And so there's really nothing to say that we can't do the same with video games. It's just a matter of stepping back, choosing the appropriate ones, and being completely aware of how the students are using it. I think that's um, one of the great things with gamification that we haven't really touched on yet is this idea of instant feedback. Like with, with gamification, they can um, get something actionable that they can do afterwards. Like, oh, I didn't quite meet the standard. Oh, I did what I, I needed to meet. And so now I'm gonna continue on. So it's kind of 
the idea, well, let's have it building, but then I get that feedback of, oh, you did this well. And that's why, like, with some of the tools that we use, even outside of this gamification, game-based learning discussion, using tools like the OneDrive to respond to students' writing and have, be able to give that instant feedback or using OneNote to do the same thing, like, that's huge for students, like being able to have something actionable that they can move forward with instead of dwelling on, oh, I didn't do well on that. Right. Or even even uh, not so much that last statement you made, Mike, but the fact that they may be given an assignment that initially would seem so incredibly overwhelming to them and they may shut down in a matter of minutes. Whereas if you're able to set up through gamification, short pieces of work that they need to do short's not the right word, but you know what I mean? Um, smaller pieces of work that they can accomplish successfully and get a little bit of positive feedback, that's going to keep them going for the next step. Small bits and pieces, and eventually they'll accomplish the, the, the main goal and feel very good about themselves. And it's just funny when I put this into context with my earlier academic career, I remember, you know, the most exciting thing was when we got a sticker to put up against our names in the classroom. And, and now as we work our way, we're, we're speaking about badges and, and, you know, tokens within our learning management system. You can truly see that, that transition. Um, and Suzanne, I like the way you kind of put into context the importance of the randomness. So that it's not just the same students all the time who are the fastest, but all the students. And I think this shift of technology allows you to, it allows you to make sure all the students feel uh, equitable in term as they're gaming absolutely it's all good we just need to to see what our teachers are doing hear from them so to wrap up out of all the articles you read like if you're gonna walk away with just one thing like what would that one thing be well for me uh, one of the really interesting tidbits i got we're talking about the you know the gamification of education um, and education for global development i was talking about Students living in poverty. Uh, about well, there's one billion students living on a dollar twenty-five a day, but there's the equal amount of students who are gaming and playing games. And I think it's important that we take a look at games not just uh, as an opportunity for students to play and achieve, uh, you know, badges and, and awards, but also as a part as a platform to spread awareness uh, for for you know. Certain causes I know in uh, underdeveloped countries in the third world, in third worlds, uh, gamification is used to spread awareness uh, about diseases. And this is one of the really interesting article pieces of the articles that I read. Um, this is, I believe this was from NPR, so I really, I really did think it was interesting when I got to delve into it and see how game gamification is used, not just like I said for gaming, but for the spread of awareness. Excellent. For me, I think um, reading various articles, it seemed that some people are definitely in favor of game-based learning over gamification. Other people are talking about the positives of gamification. So I think it's very important to to educate yourself. For, we, we need to make more articles available to the district so that people can fully understand the difference between the two and how to use each of them. Uh, and I think it's, it's something that's very easily confused. So we'll take it upon ourselves to, to educate, inform, and inspire. And um, just on a side note, because I think 
Mike, we, we touched upon gamification in one of our past podcasts. And at that point in time, I was still learning about it. And my immediate response, my initial response was, oh, no, you're not going to play a game in school. You need to learn. So <laughs> going with that and thinking that a lot of people out there um, are worried about the amount of screen time that kids are, are, are having nowadays, again, to, um, to educate yourself and understand the difference between a habit and something that's gone a bit further to the point where it's affecting their relationship with the people around them. And I think for me, in reading all these articles, it came down to balance. You have to have balance with do you can't just give students games and expect them to learn. You can't just have gamifications and expect that the behaviors and the habits of the students will change. Like there needs to be a balance between the two. That to me is what really spoke out in all of these articles because some of the articles like we were mentioning like they focus on one aspect of it and all positive and negative and another one focused on another thing and in kind of bringing all the information together that's what it really seemed to come down to for me that was my little tidbit that i'll pull away again this conversation is all about gamification and game-based learning in the classroom all these articles will be posted along in our show notes and they will also appear randomly up on Yammer as we go out through the rest of this year. And that's it for our gamification conversation. As you can tell, there is a lot to learn and there's still so much more that we do not know. And this for us is just scratching the surface. So I encourage you to go learn on your own. Use some of the links to gain your own understanding, a better understanding. Share out some of the things that you do for gamification in the classroom. You can do that in Yammer or you can send it to us at DLA support and we will put it in fact in Yammer so that everybody has access to it. So coming up next, our interview with a teacher from Harena. For this week's interview, we interviewed teacher Amy Hennigan from Harena. One of the great things to know is that Amy is a Lynx teacher over at Harena. And you should hear some of the great things that she is doing with her students, and you can just tell how lucky they are to have her as their teacher. So take a listen. at Harena Elementary School, second and third grade links, which is an autism program, substantially separate. And I've been teaching for four years. Have all four years been at Harena? Nope, this is my second year at Harena. Um, I bounced around the district a little bit until I kind of got my feet wet and uh, found a sturdy home. <laughs> with being in the Lynx classroom, I know we get this a lot. How do you use technology with your students? So I use technology every day. Um, the kids really love technology. We are visual learners in the Lynx program. So a lot of um, curriculum, holidays, current events, it's all very abstract to the students. 
I use technology to make it a bright picture, very clear for them, make that connection so that I can still teach them um, the rigor and the standards and everything that these kids need to learn, but make it real for them. Um, and one particular website I really use all the time is Discovery Ed, and the kids love it. So with Discovery Ed, what exactly are you doing with them? Uh, recently, we just had to do a research project, and these are second and third graders who have limited writing abilities, um, who really struggle with putting their thoughts onto paper. So I thought, how can I do a research project with my students? So I was able to go on Discovery Ed, teach them how to log in, go up to the search box, and type in an animal that they chose, and they were able to watch videos um, and different learning clips about their animal, and they were able to pause when they needed to and write down facts that they learned um, and I found a worksheet that was able to have them pick an interesting fact or how they walked, where they lived, um, what they looked like and they were able to pull a lot of that information from the videos on Discovery Ed. A lot of times my kids will sit and listen to a book and it'll just be gone in thin air but because it was a video it was real life video it was action uh, movement they were able to really hone in and learn the facts that they needed for their research project and produce a beautiful written piece of paper that sounds amazing it is amazing. I've shown everyone in this building. I brought it to IEP meetings. I've brought it to the principals. They probably think I'm crazy, but I'm so proud of them because you, you're you not sure of the abilities of the students, but you know that if you push them, they'll succeed. And I was able to have them meet a second grade and a third grade standard when students are typically struggling and they did it flawlessly and they were not stressed. I didn't have anyone cry or have any behaviors. It was It was great. It took a while, mm -hmm. but they did it. That's awesome. Along with Discovery Ed, so that's you did that most recently with mm -hmm. a research project. What are some other things that you've done? Um, they also have videos on there on how to be a friend, um, how to go about your school day, rules in the school. So I use a lot of it in the beginning of the school year to show students uh, like proper ways for walking down the hallway, how to move about your school within a routine in a day, because a lot of transitions can be difficult for students. And almost my entire class this year came from L's which is one floor really small, to Hirena, which is three floors, going up and down five flights of stairs up a lot during the day. Mm -hmm. So I was able to really break down the routine in a video of students in a school. Um, they break down like the, what, the rules in the cafeteria, the rules in specials, the rules in the classroom. And if you think about it, the setting is so different for every single scenario, and it can be very overwhelming. But the mm -hmm. videos really help the kids connect to what the expectations were. So we use that a lot. That's another great use. <laughs> Can you talk to our listeners about more of like kind of like the everyday day to day and some of the challenges, some of the successes, mm -hmm. and then how you can weave, how you weave technology in and out of that? So it sounds like you've done it with behaviors mm -hmm. and with this research project recently. So, yep. Um, so, what I use it for is just to bring the rigor of everyday down to their level, but still teach the standards and what they need to learn. And I do that by breaking each lesson down into multiple parts. So I don't exactly like sit the whole class on the rug and talk for 45 minutes or play a video and just say, okay, this is it. Um, we'll have like a little whole group and then we break down into small groups and then we do rotations within the small groups. And within the small groups, there's a technology station where the kids go onto the laptops and they log in and they do activities within the 
um, laptops to, in, to incorporate technology. We do have iPads as well. Um, and we have a laptop cart in our room, so we're like ready accessible. It's not like I have to walk to the other side of the building to get <laughs> laptops for the kids. And we have enough for each student in the classroom. There's currently nine students in the classroom. So in a Lynx classroom, from what I know, like there's usually some paras that are in there mm-hmm. to help and assist. Yep. So we have two paras, um, and everything is just really broken down into like simple steps. Each student earns certain things for being at each group, and we rotate through the groups. Um, It's like 45, 50-minute blocks. We do the same thing in the afternoon for math. And then when we have a day where there's like Black History Month, Martin Luther King, Groundhog Day, we'll do like a special little lesson in the morning as part of my morning meeting to address those things. Um, Instead of doing like a whole group read aloud with a book, I always try to incorporate a video with um, like a simple worksheet on like, what did you learn? What's your, and I do ticket to leave. Like I do a lot of things that a typical classroom does, but I just break it down into really small pieces. Mm -hmm. Um, That way that we can build it up and they can still meet what they need to meet for the day. It's a lot. It is a lot. (laughs) Um, So in regards to knowing like what you've done, what are some things that you've learned about that you would love to be able to incorporate into your classroom? Like in the future? Yes, in the future. So no, one... tomorrow, right now. <laughs> Monday morning, 8 o'clock. Something I learned this year um, that I didn't do in the past was normally I take the computer, I log the kids in, I set up what they need to do, and then I say, okay, you go on and do it. This year, I started to give them like a little bit more independence, and I put, for example, Discovery Ed up on the um, smart board. Each student had a laptop, and I went step-by-step on how to log in and how to search for something and how to make sure they only got videos and not, like, sometimes there's some worksheets on there too, and they all did it flawlessly. But I waited until a few weeks ago to even try. So I would do it right off the bat next year with the students because they are capable. And a lot of the kids know more about technology than we do. So I should have just given them the benefit of the doubt instead of taking time away from my small group lessons to log kids in, just let them try. Um, And when they log in, they get really excited because they were able to do it. All those numbers and letters. (laughs) It is a lot of numbers (laughs) and letters. One of the things I've heard a few times now is that your students are very visual learners. Mm -hmm. Have you thought of doing any sort of projects where they are the video themselves where they're like, I know right now we're talking uh, without video. It's just mm-hmm. audio, but like, because you have the iPads, have you thought about trying to like record them doing a presentation or. I've never thought about doing that, but they did have an oral presentation piece to their research project, which I wasn't sure how it would go because mm-hmm. a lot of times when they're up in front of a class, they shut down and get nervous, mm-hmm. but they loved it. Every single student participated um, and it lasted like a really long time. I actually had to like have a couple kids wrap it up because <laughs> it was going a long time. So I, th- I think it would be wonderful to record them and mm. to make like a little video of them presenting. Nice. Well, I know we're in the middle of the day. I don't want to take up too much of your time okay. because it sounds like from everything you've said, you, you have a lot going on. <laughs> We are really busy, but they are they're being they're very successful this year, and I'm just I don't think I've ever been more proud than of a class mm-hmm. than I have this year, um, and I think the whole building knows it because I never stop talking about them. <laughs> <laughs> One of the last questions that we like to ask is if you had the opportunity to stand in front of all the new hires in the district, as you know, every year <laughs> you were prepared for this question. <laughs> you must have listened before, yeah. so if. 
if you had that opportunity, what would be some of the things and advice that you would say? I would tell the new hires that they're going to be very overwhelmed initially because Springfield brings to the table 110 times more than any other surrounding district. And you're going to feel like there's so many things that you need to try to incorporate every day, but just take a breath, incorporate one little thing at a time. And each year, you're going to feel like you're growing as an educator because of the initiatives that they roll out in the August PDs. Um, And each year, I'm incorporating more and more into my classroom. And if my students can be successful in learning with all the new initiatives and the new technology in the district, then any student can do it. Well, I just want to thank you again for this time. I know it's a very busy day, especially on a Friday when we're all ready to be done for the week. So again, thank you. You're welcome. I appreciate the time. So if you could not tell during that interview, I was duly impressed with the things that she is doing in her classroom with her Lynx students. And I do admit, I don't know enough about the Lynx programs in the district to know all the capabilities of the students and or even just the wide range of capabilities. So it was exciting for me to hear how they're using technology. And it just goes back to remind you that you just got to try. A lot of times the students know a lot more than we give them credit for. And you can see that with the stuff that she has done in her classroom. It's super exciting to see the ways that she's using Discovery Ed with her students to help them meet the standards, which otherwise would be very difficult for those students to reach. So our hats off to Amy and the great job she's doing over at Harena. As we wrap up today's conversation, I just want to encourage you guys to go out to iTunes or iHeartRadio or Stitcher or Yammer or wherever you listen to the podcast and leave us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear if there's topics that you want us to delve deeper into or if you have teachers who you know would be great to interview for the podcast. We're always looking for recommendations because, well, there's only four of us in our department, so we don't get a chance to get out to every single classroom in every single school or else we would never get anything else done. And so let us know about people who are in this district doing amazing things because that's part of what we would love to do is to share out all of the amazing things that are happening in this district. We have so many great teachers and we just want to be able to spotlight them as we go along so that everybody has the opportunity to learn from them, hear about what they're doing, and maybe even apply it to their classroom. And as you know, next week is vacation week for us and so we are taking a week off from the podcast we'll be back in two weeks i hope you enjoy your time off i hope you get a chance to catch up on some past podcasts that you haven't listened to or maybe you even have some things that you'd like to know more about that you can send our way so that we can turn around and share with you and with that i am mike thomas and i will see you next week in two weeks, unless you listen to the podcast during vacation.